Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. Ko Joe Porter Aho. This week, the Black Caps go 2-0 up in the five-match T20 cricket series against Australia. Can they wrap up the series, and what do the results mean heading towards the T20 World Cup? The White Ferns, though, have a battle on their hands to fight their way back into their one-day series against England after a heavy defeat in the opening game. Can the New Zealand women compete with the world champions, or is the gap to the likes of England and Australia growing bigger less than 12 months out from the World Cup here in New Zealand? Super Rugby Aotearoa kicks off this weekend. Can anyone stop the Crusaders from marching to a fifth straight title, and Joseph Parker gets back in the boxing ring with Junior Farr. I'm joined by sports writer Hamish Bidwell, RNZ Sports journalist Barry Guy and Felicity Reid. Let's start with cricket, another entertaining game in Dunedin as the Blackcaps won the second T20 against Australia by four runs to take a 2-0 series lead, with Martin Guptill top scoring with 97 to silence some of his critics, for now at least. I guess the beauty about cricket is it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. Um, you move forward, you go on. Lucky enough to spend a bit of time on the wicket today uh, out there and, and, and get a few runs. But I think the, you know, having Kane out there and that partnership really set the game up for us. Looking forward to hopefully going through your luck in Wellington. Needing one more win to wrap up the five-match series, the Black Caps are on the front foot, but Guptill is wary of an Australian team who won't back down. We've still got three hard games to go and we'll have to still play our best cricket to, um, to get a, a, a you know, series win. So on this to Wellington and you know, get that, that third win. Martin Gaptil, the third T20, is in Wellington next Wednesday. Hamish, I know it's a bit of a B team from Australia, but uh, what have you made of the two T20s between the Black Caps and the Aussies so far? Well, they're on, and that's nice, isn't it? Um, it's good to have international sport, but that's about it. Like, you can't draw any conclusions from it because of the strength of the Australian side. As you mentioned, their two best uh, bowlers in this format, Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins, aren't here. Uh, they're, they're, they're short. Uh, the bulk of their batting lineup, so it is very much a makeshift team. I, this idea that people who get paid a high wage to do something answer their critics. Fedinka Martin Guptill's gone out and done his job. I wouldn't say it was any more than that, and I don't think that for doing your job you need a prize or an apology from people who said, "Hey, you're not in great nick, mate. You haven't scored any runs for ages." So I, I, I take umbrage at that. But in terms of the series. Look, I and a bunch of friends of mine have booked a corporate box for the next game at Westpac's uh, sure. say Sky Stadium. So we're going high roller and we're looking forward to it. And I, it'll be a fun day out. But it's, it doesn't mean a lot. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a fun day out. It's, we were having a beer after Twilight Golf the other day and my son said to one of the people we were playing with, you know, I don't think you can call yourself a test cricketer. I mean, a real international cricketer until you play test cricket. 2020 is just... You know, it's just a bit of entertainment. My boy's 10, and that's his view, and I don't know if I've informed his view. Yeah, I was but... going to say, the leaf's fallen very far from the tree. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's good that these games are on, and I'm looking forward to attending one in person, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not reading into anything into it in terms of New Zealand's World Cup aspirations. That tournament's going to be played in India. Um, this isn't a very good Australian team. We'll just see what happens down the road. Uh, just firstly, talking about Hamish Bidwell, in that uh, he's got a corporate box at the stadium, and also he plays Twilight golf was it what yes. a, a blooming life he has the rest of us that are do a decent day's work I mean, you've got to give credit to uh, uh, Martin Guptill 
for a start because he was under all sorts of pressure to you know score some runs and I, I, not surprising in a way he's done this a few times and and a few others I, if you look at the domestic competition as you know young Finn Allen and a few others been been blasting away but you know what New Zealand cricket has this thing that uh, you've sort of got to play your way out of the side and they they keep the sort of the uh, you know the the regulars stay there sort of thing so I mean I think Martin Guptill perhaps just with that performance if he can get another innings somewhere in this in the next three games you know he's probably solidified his place there for you know another year at least Hamish, what do you think about just a, a series win over Australia in cricket in any form? Surely New Zealand fans, the casual one in particular, will celebrate any series win in cricket over the Aussies. No. No? It's got to have context. Um, 1985 in Australia will go down as probably the New Zealand cricket's finest hour, you know, arguably, beating them in the corresponding series here in 86 when they came over this side of the Tasman. Equally sensational. Like These are uh, high-watermark moments in New Zealand cricket, and this won't be remembered at all. This is just a, a series of T20 games played for TV's sake. It's it's of no consequence whatsoever. Have you been enjoying them at least, though, Hamish? Mate, I haven't even been watching them. I refuse to listen to some of those people on that television station, so I haven't paid for it. <laughs> and despite Barry's assertions, I'm not wealthy enough to afford multiple blimmin, uh TV subscriptions. Hell's teeth. And what have you made of Devin Conway? Do you think he's a guy that will be in this team for a while? I, I to sort of hark back to what I was mentioning before. I think Devin Conway's best format is is the is Red Bull, is the is the long form. So he's done outstandingly well as a four day domestic player. I'd like to see him playing Test cricket. Um, that'd be where I see him. And it, it's interesting. He's coming to this T Twenty team and he's doing well. I think I'd rather have Colin Munro on the team. I think Colin Munro's gone to the BBL taken some gumption to do that he goes to the PSL plays in Pakistan he's gone to the BBL in Australia to further his career to get some different experience to play against better players and he's shone there and New Zealand don't want to bar from I find that unusual as Barry alluded to before they're very loyal to people it's a bit like a club team if you're part of the cool club you don't get kicked out of the team in a hurry um Guptill's been persevered with a guy like Munro's been dispensed with I think Munro's still got more to offer in T20 cricket than Conway who I think's best format will be test cricket in time in contrast to the Black Caps, the White Ferns had a sobering start to their one-day series against England, crushed by eight wickets and bowled out for well less than 200 runs. They continue to struggle against the top teams despite being more involved in leagues like the Big Bash in Australia, etc. Felicity, what is going wrong with the White Ferns? Those New Zealand 11 warm-up games would suggest that they had a decent chance against England, but then reality hit. It's a bit of that winning mentality. When you've lost so many games in a row and you're up against the world champions, the White Ferns aren't expected to win. So it's a little bit of, do they lack that instinct to sort of close it out when it matters most, when they're up not in a warm-up game against a New Zealand 11-type situation? Do they really lack it when it comes to like the world stage, which could be a bit of a problem moving forward into next year? And cricket's quite a team game, but based on individual performances. And the White Ferns were really only putting in individual batting performances this week and couldn't string together the partnerships that England did. And it was promising on debut that Brooke Halliday was able to look quite comfortable in front of the England attack and was able to score 50 when some of the bigger t- um, names in the team failed. Uh, she, Brooke was speaking after the game and she was quite pragmatic about it. She was saying that she was wary of the bouncer but pleased she'd survived. And she was playing shots she was comfortable with. So coming into the environment, it seems that players understand their own strengths, but then it's coming together as a team and being able to actually 
The White Ferns aren't a team that can rely on one breakout performance with the bat or a bowler who just rips through part of the order. They actually need multiple people or most people in the team to actually perform at their best to be able to get those wins. And I heard comments from you know people like Halliday and, of course, Fran Jonas, who'd made her debut at 16 years old after the match. And there's not a lot of accountability being asked. Well, for one, for, for one, there's not a lot of journalists there to ask these questions, but the post-match interviews are very soft, and you've got people like Jonas and Halliday saying, oh, it was, it was a really great game. I was pleased to be a part of it, despite the fact that we got at you know, mm. we got pumped. So you wonder about the mentality of the players within that team. If that's your attitude, really stoked to have made a debut. Things didn't quite go how we went, but I was pleased with my own performance. Really, you should be thinking, damn it, I just debuted in a, mm. in a game we got absolutely pantsed. I don't want this to happen again. I'll be working my butt off and making sure I make the older senior players in this team accountable because I don't want this to happen again. Do you wonder if, I do wonder if there's a lack of accountability, a, a lack of edge there uh, when things don't go their way that they just sort of go, oh, well, next game, let's move on. Whereas, no, there needs to be a harsh and more critical look at what did exactly go wrong. And surely some of that's coming from those senior players as well. These are new people coming into the team. So obviously when you come in, you sort of, reflect maybe the team environment that you've come into especially when you're speaking to people about your first performance you would sort of reflect what's been said to you or what has been said around so maybe these people are coming in and they're encountering an environment which isn't that hard-nosed which isn't saying that we must win every game that isn't saying we need to do better I think uh, also the the depth of uh, cricket in New Zealand, the, the women's game for the last couple of months has been the Super Smash T20. They've only just started the one-day competition domestically again. Uh, and these are one-dayers. The New Zealand side again failed to bat 50 overs. So I think perhaps um, you know the, the scheduling perhaps wasn't ideal. They still rely on Sophie Devine. Susie Bates isn't there, of course. Amy Satterthwaite uh, is there. But... They, I wondered too if they're relying perhaps on a couple of the big names. I mean, it's a bit harsh to expect, say, a 16-year-old to come in and be the difference in a, you know, she's a left-arm spinner, but to be the difference to come in and, and um, beat England. Uh, and and I, I just wonder whether this, um, you know, there are a lot of young players coming through, as you said, Felicity, but it, we were asking a bit much perhaps on of these young ones to be um, internationally ready uh, to perform, and there's perhaps just not the, as you say, the the pressure or the uh, the depth or the rivalry between players at the top level, especially the batters, um, for them to uh, to perform. None of that pressure that maybe you see Martin Guptill facing, right? You see him go out and everyone's talking about his lack of runs or that, and look who's coming through to replace him. Look at all the possible options, and you're right, it might be that there aren't women coming through that could replace some of these people who maybe aren't going to be putting in the performances that they need to or that we would expect from them in a New Zealand team. I, I know, having spoken to some of the, the uh, domestic associations, they're very happy with the number of girls coming through, young women to play cricket, but I think that's going to be a few years yet before they uh, you know, see the, the fruits of that. Hamish, the White Ferns coach Bob Carter said that he was pleased the World Cup had been delayed a year because they weren't anywhere near ready and an extra year gives them time to get ready and close that gap on the likes of Australia and England. Is it long enough? Do they have enough games in between? Are they going to be able to close that gap before the World Cup? I doubt it. I, doubt I mean, it. if you're having to turn to teenagers to, to, to bolster your lineup, I mean, 
Fair income, I'm not a great stats man, and you probably rattled it off before, but is it 13 games or 12 since they've won a single match? 10, I mean, 10 consecutive losses, I believe. Fair income. And I go back, I'll, I'll, I'll go off on a tangent slightly to go back to what I'm wanting to say. There are various reasons why the All Blacks are good, right? I think, for me, the major reason is the expectation of excellence, the demand from every man and woman in the street that they will be fantastic every time. And if they're not, then people will be held to account. There's no holding to account, as you said before, Joe, with this team. It's all cute and cuddly. It's all like, you know, we've had a baby. Look at how wonderfully we're bringing it up. Cricket's just such an inclusive sport. We're getting some money now. This is wonderful. What great strides we're making. But you're not actually getting any runs and wickets. If you want to get paid, then you have to accept some of the things that go with professional sport, which means accountability, which means scrutiny, which means criticism. And I don't believe there's any of that on that team. And I do believe that the lack of that is hindering their progress. While the expectations are so low, while it's we've learned some wonderful lessons, well, put them into practice. Well, that's the expect. Well, that's acceptable. While oh, we just need some time, oh, just a few more games. Well, fair income. If you're a professional athlete, you don't actually have the opportunity to have time. You have to produce now. And I think that until that team is scrutinised properly, they don't. They won't go anywhere. Well, it's still summer, but Super Rugby is back with Super Rugby Aotearoa starting this weekend. The Crusaders kick off their title defence against the Highlanders, and with nine All Blacks and the defending champions starting 15, they're favourites to make a winning start. However, coach Scott Robertson is expecting a stiff challenge from the Tony Brown-coached Southerners in Dunedin. Brownie's smart, he's astute. The boys play for him, and you know, all our games against the Highlanders in the last five years um, have been tough. They're a hell of a battle. It's a hell of an opener. They go down there under the roof in O-Week and full zoo and we've prepared accordingly. Scott Robertson, the Crusaders coach. So, Hamish, Barry, can anyone stop the Crusaders from marching to another title? Uh, I'd be interested to see this year because they're not the most talented team, but they have... um they have a lot of great tradesmen, a lot of great winners, a lot of guys who know how to close games out, that sort of thing. I'm not talking about superstar players. I mean, obviously, you've got your Sam Whitelocks and that sort of thing, you know, serial winners. But I think of guys like Mitchell Drummond and Bryn Hall, you know, guys who are never making a World 15 but win games for that team season upon season. There are more talented teams out there. I think of the Blues particularly. I think they've got a great roster. I think there's every opportunity for them to do well this year. But do they have the mentality? Can they close games out? It's all very well to, to say that someone like Autiri Black's an emerging talent to, 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 to say that, you know, we've got all this outside back talent as well, but, like, they have to actually win games now. There's some expectation on that team. They were mm. sort of plucky upstarts last year. Yeah. That won't wash this time. People are going to be scrutinising them in a way that White Ferns Cricket isn't scrutinised, for instance. So um, the Crusaders, still the benchmark, still have those winners, but uh, I'll be really interested in the Blues this year. I don't expect much from the other teams. Um, yeah but I'm really interested in the Blues. The Blues, uh, you know, I guess hooker might be an area where they don't have a huge amount of depth, but in terms of their props, they've uh, picked up Nepal Alala to go with Wofutunga Fasi as well as Carl Tuni Kuafia, um, and they've got um, the young man who Deb, Deb, was at least called into the squad last year, the Auckland prop, I forget his name now off the top of my head, Oh, Hodgman. Yes. Hodgman, Alex Hodgman. So they've got, you know, a, a decent front row there. They've got Patrick Tuipolosu captaining at in, at lock and obviously a, a pretty decent uh, loose forward trio with, or more, with Dalton Papali'i, Akira Yuwani, Hoskins, Satutu and the likes. So certainly no excuses this year, Hamish, for the Blues. No, and it's like they're the best team, or the most talented team, yeah. and I, I'm interested to watch them, you know what I mean? And it's... <clears throat> We have given them a pretty easy ride. Um, they mm-hmm. haven't really taken 
this, the, the the kicking that they've probably deserved at different times for <clears throat> flattering to deceive. But yeah, this year's the year to, to shine. I'm interested. I'm, tim- I'm fascinated, and you'll know this better than me, uh, Joe, what the Hurricanes are doing in, in getting rid of Dane Coles as captain. Now, he may be wanting to step away. They may be looking to play him more as a backup hooker, but I'm not 100% sold on Artie Savia as the captain. Um, I don't know whether they've done that to try and get him on board. You get Some guys get to a superstar stage of their career where they find this a chore, and you have to do things to incentivise playing or to enthuse them about it. And maybe captaincy is a thing for Artie, but uh, I think Coles is still the best hooker in New Zealand. I think he showed that by mile last year. Um, and I think he needs to be on the park. But if he's not going to be the captain, is he going to be spending more time on the bench? And I, I think that could that could harm them because they've lost such a lot of leadership with Peronata going because mm-hmm. he was, you know, like him or hate him, really competitive, drove that team, had yeah. high standards. Um, so that's I'll be interested in an Artie situation too. Well, I can answer that question simply for you. Coles didn't want to be captain this year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but is, this, but is this because he's stepping back? Is it because a suffle is going to come through and play instead? Well, like, where are we at here? Well, he's nursing a calf injury that's going to... Not again. Yeah, not again. Limit his time, <laughs> limit his time during this yeah, campaign. Okay. So he's not even playing this first one. Yeah, I Also, he did. He wanted to step away. He's, this is his last year of rugby. He wants to move away from being captain, and he enjoys preparing and playing games and just focusing on his own role. I think we saw with Dane at the end of last year with, with some good performances for the All Blacks. He, uh, he does quite like being able to go about his business during a test week, just focusing on himself and his own role and not having anything to do with the sort of the captaincy side of things. And I think that's just transferred into the Hurricanes. He's, he's essentially over it. He's had enough. He wants to be able to focus on his own game with only one year left to make sure he plays the best he can. He's got a niggly calf injury. So uh, discussions between him and the, the Hurricanes coach led to them suggesting that Artie become the captain. And, and Artie was, of course, initially reluctant, but has decided to take it on. So I know that among the playing group, Artie has more respect than anyone else. When he talks, everyone else shuts up and li- shuts up and listens. Sure, but he, he's not a fan of the public role. He That's doesn't right. want to be talking to folk like you and I. He That's doesn't right. want to be doing post-match out on the field. He wants to go off and do his own thing. If he's being yep. reported in the media, he wants to be reported on his own steam yep. via his own platforms rather than having a microphone thrust upon his face. And he's going to have to do a bit of that this year. a captain than, than just giving a team talk and saying, follow me, fellas. Yeah, and but, I, and just, I think they also know that when Coles is on the field, he'll essentially be the captain, if you know what I mean. He will he will be out there leading, and he doesn't need to have the C next to his name to make decisions on the field and to get the guys. He does that anyway. He leads by example. He leads on the field. That's just the nature of his beast. Um, so I think, essentially, you'll find that Coles, when he's on the field, is a captain in a way that's just that Artie makes the captain's referral if it comes to it. But look, he, uh, you know, it's not a bad move at a club where, what, 70-odd percent of the players are Pacifica, to have a Pacifica yeah. leader um, at, at it's good representation there, and perhaps it's something that they feel will bring more out of Artie when, like you say, he's, he's been keen to step aside, and maybe this extra bit of um, responsibility gets him more invigorated for the campaign. Hamish, Look, I, it's a boon for referees because yeah. we had a situation last year where you had both TJ and Dane going at them in tandem <laughs> far out, Matt. Hamish was saying about uh, uh, Artie's role perhaps off the field, but, I mean, the Hurricanes will think that's the lesser part of that. Yeah. I mean, it's important for you and I and the likes, but if it's, it's the winning on the field... Uh, that it's the most yes, important but Barry, thing. Yes, but you so, know, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a decent person with, with, who's with highly respected among the journalistic community, when you go to report people and they have an open disdain for you, it's very hard to portray that person well. And I think at times Artie's guilty of that. He certainly was reluctant last year to even speak to the media. Um, it was sort of beneath him. And so 
it clouds it clouds how you report mm. a team. And so the captain has to be a good advertisement, has to sell them well to people like ourselves, even though he doesn't like us. Yeah, you don't think the Hurricanes have uh, pointed that out to him? Yes, but I'm not sure that he's particularly receptive to that. I think he's his own man and he'll have his own views and he may not be easily moulded. That's what I'm saying. And Well, we're going to you know, find out three weeks into it, especially if they, they lose a few games and he uh, you know, shuts up and we don't hear a lot, then you know, the media's going to meet you more, aren't they? Instance, plays poorly and someone says, oh, yeah, hey, that's you know, going to be tough. The, the party's well over for Julian. Let's give him a spell. Like, how, how's Artie going to cop that? And historically, probably not very sweet. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I think the Hurricanes might have some issues anyway. That they've, you know, that first five and halfback, they're really struggling yes, to have absolutely. any combination there. They've got, right. you know, Jamie Booth's out for the whole season. Um, they've Simon Hickey, their backup or possibly starting first five's gone now. They're relying on Jackson Garden, Bashup, um, and Young Jonathan at halfback. Look, I really think they're going to struggle with that combination. So I, I think that third place is what where the bookies have them at the moment might be, might even be a bit stretched too far. But look, the Chiefs lost yeah. all eight games last season. A new coach, I'm surpri- same sort of team. How do you think they're going to go? I'm surprised that the, the TAB has them as the least fancied team. I would I would put them up, you know, third or, or somewhere around there actually, and it'll possibly be the Hurricanes and the Highlanders fighting for the for the wooden spoon. I, I would say that they've come on, will come on a lot from that uh, those performances last year where they were unlucky a few times. You know, they've got Sam Kane there and those All Blacks and Damien McKenzie and and the likes. Clayton McMillan. There's a lot of good things being said about him and it may well help them in a way that uh, he's there and have another few ideas so you know I th- I'm not discounting the Chiefs I think you know not for the title perhaps but I mean for, for third somewhere around there I'd you know they'd be contenders. I think some of those guys need to put up or shut up they saw off Colin Cooper they didn't care for him they didn't rate his coaching expertise and they sort of took over the running of that team and, and they sidelined him and then he left his contract early um Warren Gatlin didn't go that well. They would talk about people didn't embrace Warren Ball. They weren't that keen on his methods. They've got a different coach now. Well, how many coaches do you need? You know what I mean? They've seen off a couple. Gatlin hopefully be back, but it'll be intriguing if McMillan wins this year. But it's time for some of those guys, rather than saying, oh, the coach is not up to it, they need to get out there and win a few games. And lastly, on Extra Time, we take a look at the weekend's boxing bout between Joseph Parker and Junior Farr in Auckland, and the world-ranked New Zealand boxers aren't hiding from the implications of their heavyweight matchup. After months of respectful build-up, the softly-spoken South Aucklanders of Pacifica Heritage resume their amateur rivalry for the first time as professionals. The former WBO world champion Parker is ranked third with the organisation, while Farr is fifth, meaning a sizeable reward for the winner and a significant setback for the loser. Clay Wilson explains. Joseph Parker's career is at a crossroads. Overcome Junior Farr and the 29-year-old's dream of becoming a two-time heavyweight world champion remains very much alive. Lose and that door is shut, potentially for good. Parker's long-time trainer Kevin Barry says they're well aware tomorrow night's bout is make or break. If we do not deliver, it's going to be very, very hard for us to get back into any position to fight a top five, a top ten fighter, let alone a world title shot. We still believe in Joseph, totally, 100%. He believes in himself. Our goal is to get back into the ring fighting for the world title. As a former world champion and strong favourite, Parker knows making a statement means more than simply winning. Re-establishing himself as a contender in boxing's glamour division requires taking out his former amateur rival inside the 12 rounds. Parker knows he needs a knockout, but is adamant he won't be reckless. 
I say that I want a knockout, but we have a plan in place. I'll go in there, execute the plan, and have fun. You know, all the hard work's been done in the camp, early mornings and all the training sessions, now it's time to dance. And when you let it flow, it just happens. Far, though, won't be a pushover. Not only is he unbeaten in 19 professional bouts, he has two wins over Parker from their four amateur fights. And with two young kids at home, Far is intensely motivated by what he's calling a life-changing opportunity. This sets up an awesome career, you know. This sets up big fights for me, um, which means I can provide more for my family as well. Yeah, and just really solidify my place in the heavyweight division. The high stakes aren't the only reason Far is feeling optimistic. After needing surgery for an undisclosed medical problem in October, postponing the bout by more than two months, he says he's fighting fit once again. I feel much better than my old self uh, a few months ago. You know, I'm feeling fully prepared for this fight. I feel like I'm peaking at the right time. Man, I'm just feeling good. I'm getting excited, so can't wait for the night. Team Parker questions whether that excitement will eventually be overcome by nerves. Head trainer Kevin Barry says the fact remains. Far has never been in a fight of this magnitude against an opponent of Parker's calibre. I'm not saying he can't do it because this is his opportunity to shine. But, you know, when the bright lights go on and you walk out to the ring, it's not everybody's cup of tea. One thing I can tell you about Joseph Parker is when the lights are at the brightest, it's when he is at the happiest. He loves the pressure. Far's camp aren't arguing it's a step up for their fighter. But City kickboxing coach Eugene Berriman, who has assisted head trainer Doug Viney in preparing Far for tomorrow's bout, says they're happy with the position they're in. We've got nothing to lose. There's no pressure on us. If an opportunity comes to hurt Joseph, we'll take advantage of it. But we're going to get an early lead, we're going to hold on to that lead, and Junior's going to get his hand raised. Parker is confident that won't be the case. One thing's for sure, big overseas opportunities await whoever is right. Core Clay Wilson, Aho. That brings us to the end of Extra Time. Thanks to Felicity, Hamish and Barry for joining me. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and of course at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would. That helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Joe Porter. Kia kite Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.